Spring turkey season is upon us, and don't be caught out in the woods without having Onyx Hunt on your phone. One feature Onyx has that is often overlooked for turkey hunting is their recent imagery filter with their elite memberships. This imagery is updated week to week, and it comes in extremely handy, especially when you're trying to find these gobble zones where these turkeys will go out in a high spot on a fresh clear cut and strut around all day long. Actually, I was just looking at on Onyx where, where the timber company just came into Andrew's club and did a very small clear cut along this creek, and I can see the high spots on the topographical map, but also I can see exactly where they mulch, and those are going to be hot spots for finding gobblers, especially mid-morning after they get off their hens, getting up on these little high spots in this fresh, small clear cut along the creek and strutting and gobbling all day long. If you want to give Onyx a try, you can actually download it for free, try it for seven days, and if you decide to purchase, you can use the promo code SOUTHERN and save on your premium and elite memberships. So go into this turkey season, know where you stand with Onyx. Well, guys, we have some exciting news for you from Vortex about their brand new eyewear, their Banshee and Jackal sunglasses. Me and Andrew have had these for a few weeks now, right before the release, and we've been extremely impressed. They're awesome glasses, guys. And listen, if you're needing some new sunglasses, not only do they have the VIP warranty, but they're tough as crap, guys. Uh, Scratch-resistant eyewear, uh, it's extremely important. And also, they have safety features as well. So when you're out shooting at the range, again, these are rated glasses, so you are going to be more than protected when you're at the range. But they also look fantastic when you're out around town. So right now, Vortex has some special pricing on their website, which is vortexoptics.com for the new eyewear. But also, if you use the code SOUTHERN20, you get to save even more on this special pricing for right now at vortexoptics.com. Again, check out the new eyewear from vortexoptics.com and use the promo code SOUTHERN20 to save on their brand new eyewear. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now I'm a southern child, southern child, down in Macon, Georgia. Everybody knows where I was born. You're listening to the Southern Outdoorsman Podcast. Make sure you like and subscribe to the podcast. You can check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the Southern Outdoorsman. Now let's get to the episode. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Southern Outdoors Podcast. We're here at NWTF uh, 2022 convention in our little glass booth that they provided for us. So this is pretty nice. This is the first one that I've actually done this weekend. Yeah, we record like six episodes without Andrew. So yeah, Andrew's finally on the podcast. Andrew had to stay in Birmingham and work. Why are you talking third person? That's a little weird. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so today oh, we got man. Devin Duncan back on. Devin, how are you? All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, glad man. to have you, man. We've only had you on once for turkeys. 
Once um, or twice, like that. I think y'all done well, some strut reports. Yeah, well, yeah, we do. I think but I think my strut report kind of turned in almost to an episode. It was like thirty. <laughs> <laughs> 30. It's, like a, it's like a thirty-minute strut report <laughs> just on the one interview. Yeah, yeah James, I, think, I think we're going to kind of turn this into a mini, mini podcast. Yeah, podcast I think that's exactly what I said in the actual strut report. I'm like, guys, you're getting you're getting some more juice. <laughs> yeah, on this it's one. starting to come back to me now. I, I like get to I rambling, so yeah. But what, so we hey, got, rambling's good for podcasts. We get the old mountain turkey killer on here. So Devin Duncan yes, coming sir. from the great state of Virginia, and that is right, yeah, Virginia. And yeah. then, but you hunt West Virginia, Virginia mostly. Those two states. Yeah, I normally always hunt those two. Yeah, and yeah, then boy. and then we also. Just I kind of consider that home, and then if once I run out of tags or time or whatever, I'll start hitting the road. Time and money and family matters allow. Absolutely, and then Heard we also that. have the one and only Tyler Malone. Tyler Malone. Mm. Thank God, there's only one of them. More <laughs> <laughs> out. Listen, listen. I'm curious with his son if he's like a, gonna be like a spitting personality of Tyler because no. he's still young. But like, dude, it, that'd be that'd be wild, man. There'd be two of them on this earth. <laughs> you get up the there earth ain't ready. No. <laughs> but <laughs> we had a rough night last night. Tyler still he got here. You don't even late. know. I know. We'll talk about <laughs> that'd be like maybe an outro or something. But anyways, uh, Devin, want to have you on, dude. It's been a while. Uh, want to talk uh, Appalachian turkeys, dude, and. Everything with that, because I, I feel, you know, when you're talking to different hunters, based off the region of the country, you, know, you have guys that are successful in their home states, whether you're talking to somebody down in Alabama, Mississippi, Florida, or wherever, somewhere in the Midwest. But, you know, it always seems like the Appalachian Mountains, dude, is something that's challenging, both for deer and turkey. Because you're dealing with the elevation, you're dealing with, I'm, I'm assuming here, you tell me in just a second if I'm, if I'm correct or not, will probably lower turkey numbers. Um, and then also probably a fair amount of pressure depending on where you're hunting and how close to the roads and all this other kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, it's, a, it's a challenge amongst itself from an outsider looking into it. And uh, it definitely seems uh, like you, you definitely got to have some skill sets to be successful in those areas. I think, you know, turkey hunting is just, in a nutshell, finding a turkey to hunt. I mean, long story short, you have to be able to find a turkey to hunt. So that's a lot of turkey hunting, and especially in, uh, you know, thinner numbers a lot of the legwork is just being able to find turkey hunt once you find can get on a bird you know killing him can you know lots of times it, it seems like anymore it's like you hunt and hunt and hunt and then you find a gobbler and you kill him and then you hunt and hunt and hunt and you find a gobbler and you kill him it's just like you just got to find one well let's talk about that a little bit when you're coming going into season with uh virginia west virginia have y'all had any changes of seasons for this year or is it gonna be the same regs Pretty years. much the same. Pretty much. So, like, what's some opening dates for both states? Uh, I know Virginia is always the second Saturday of April. Okay. Is opening day. The first weekend of April is youth weekend. Uh, West Virginia, I tell you the truth, I'm not sure. I usually have to look. Yeah. Because I just, I just started hunting it like five years ago. Well, when we're getting to mountain hunting and, and talking about this, uh, of course, you you know, it's like with anything. You've got to find the animals. you got to find the turkeys to be able to hunt them. But it's also like dealing with those areas that potentially have those lower numbers and, like, some of the different strategies. Of course, you can ride, you know, roads looking into private land fields, especially if you're hunting the mountains and maybe yeah. some private land fields you can kind of see and see if public butts up against it. Yeah, that's, it's definitely good to key off of private land, yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's the only places out there, especially on some of the national forests, that you actually have some diversity in edges. Like the yeah. edges are like the boundaries right. of the public to private. So uh, probably roosting on public a lot and you know, flying down and going down there, especially at the base of some of those mountains to you know some of those big fields. And that, that's going to have a challenge itself. You're like, oh, I'll try to kill them. But I know Shane Simpson hunted with you, was it last year? That y'all, that y'all got together? It was year four last now. Dude, everything is flying by. Yeah, it's flying by. Yeah, oh it's been God. a minute, man. It was COVID year. It was 2020 when he hunt coming home. Holy cow, dude. It's like, I got 2020. Is 2020 the year you came to Alabama? Yeah. 
Man, this cleaned up. Warm out. That's that's the reason why I had it change all the rigs and stuff. That's exactly why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I apologize. No, you're good. You know, you already told me. You said you had some guys walk up to you like, "Hey, you're the guy that killed those four turkeys in Alabama in five days." Yeah, well. a couple times. I'm like, I'm yeah, I'm just make it loud and clear. I'm just a normal guy. I'm nobody special, you know. Well, that's why you're on the podcast. I'm just, I'm just, a, I just love turkey hunting. But then, you know, I'm 32. My dad started me when I was five, so that's. That's upwards, you know, easing in on 30 years of turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. buddy. And your dad's just a straight killer, bro. You got to bring him to one of these shows, and we just got to drag him into the booth. He's so, he's old-fashioned, and he's just, he's the secret type, and he don't want no attention or recognition. So that's like a, that's going to be a long road. What about if I drop it to Virginia? Yeah, maybe. maybe. Might be able to pull it, maybe. All right, all right. We might hey, I've been wanting to come to Virginia for a couple other people yeah. anyway, so, you know. Hey, I'd have to talk to him about it and brief him because – you never. I mean, you just don't know. Hey, hey we can, he can go by. He can go by a different name, bro. He, <laughs> he, he, he doesn't. He, we don't even have to say his last name's Duncan, bro. He can come up with his own name. Junior. Yeah. Say Junior's on the show. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay, there you go, Tyler. Um, but no, I want to get kind of back to the whole the whole mountain aspect. So you're you're born and raised in Virginia, kind of chasing the birds up right. there, working with your dad or, or hunting with your dad up there. So what was some of those things that you picked up from him, especially as a young kid running around the mountains? Because, dude, I mean, it's no joke. I mean, th- I've never been there, but just seeing some stuff that you post and some of these other guys that hunt up in the Nathan Killen, it's some ridiculous kind of terrain. And then you're also trying to target a, a turkey that's, you know, mm. you have that kind of cat and mouse game while you're up in that, you know, kind of terrain. Man, there were so many lessons that he, t- you know, he started taking me before I could even, like, get through the woods, just taking me out in the evening roosting turkeys and stuff and, you know, He'd go hunt him the next morning, or whatever. But and he started hunting me when I was five, and there were so many lessons that he taught me. Like, because he had an older fella take him like once or twice, helped him kill his first gobbler, and like at that time there was only like five people in the county that hunted spring turkeys. It was kind of like a a, a cult kind of thing back then. And then he was like, "You're on your own." So that pretty much like a lot of people back then, they if they did, they learned on their own. So uh, all kinds of things he had to figure out the hard way he taught you know i learned so many lessons by the time i was 8 10 12 years old i'd learned a lot of stuff do's and don'ts and of turkey hunting that i didn't have to learn like i seen him come to fruition like when i made the mistake and i'm like oh that's what he's talking about but i you know i learned so many things from him i don't even know where to start uh i think i think one of the biggest things he drove into my brain when uh, was how to move through the woods well i, I want to talk about this i want to talk about kind of I know you've talked about your dad a lot of like his stealth when he's in the woods, deer hunting, turkey hunting, whatever. Like he has a certain way he, yeah, goes he cannot about. stand making noise. Yep. Yeah. What before we do that, I, I want to bring back. I started doing this with some of the other guests that we've had on. Is can, can you tell us a story of your first like mountain turkey that you killed? Was that with your dad? Was oh it yeah, solo? It was with my dad. Yeah. Was, well, what's the story on that? Remember, like it was yesterday. I mean, I was seven, eight years old. Oh wow. He started me when I was five, and we had had a lot of trouble getting me my first turkey because, you know, we're hunting in the forest, no blind, uh, no decoys. You know, it's just sometimes I'm sitting in the tree by myself, and he's back, back behind me 30, 40 yards. I'm six years old, you know. doing. He's trying to do whatever he can do to pull this turkey into me. Yeah. And, uh, well, he I, I, granted, he had a lot of faith in me to be that little to hold, the, you know, because he started, sh- you know, shooting with a twenty two. Actually, a thing, he never let me shoot a shotgun. He didn't want me to be scared of the recoil and flinch and jerk a trigger. So he, he let me practice. We, we shot 22s. So it was the same principle of shooting the gun, and all he told me was put, look down the barrel, put the beat on his head. So he, did, he didn't let me shoot a shotgun because he, he didn't want me to practice shoot it because he was scared that I would be scared of the, of the kick and yeah. flinch and pull the trigger. So the first time I actually ever shot, a, I, I may have shot a 410 at squirrels, but this was a 20-gauge, and I think – 
I think the first time I actually, yeah, I ever shot a 20-gauge or bigger was that when I killed that turkey. And I never <laughs> felt the gun go off, you know, I, of course, obviously. Oh, that's a good way to do it. But we, uh, <laughs> he had hunted the bird or heard that bird in that area, and it was a school morning. And he took it was uh, it was like fourth week of season and school m- morning. That's what we're talking about. Oh yeah, about. Dad took me late to school a lot. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we good parent. Yeah, yeah, we'd t- take a change of clothes and school clothes and book bag, and you know he'd take me to school late if he found a. But he had heard the gobbler in that area or something, and he took me the next morning. And we will never forget. Dad still talks about the black gnats that morning. From <laughs> we've never seen the black gnats like that since that morning or after that, and that's been twenty over 20 years you know 20 over 25 years ago i forgot my face mask and dad would jump on me you know like God, you know mad and uh so he had to give me his face mask so he was without a face mask and then black gnats were so bad that morning i turned the it was one of them ohs strut face masks had the little hard thing in the middle you put it over, you know bend it over your nose mm-hmm. i spun it around and was actually looking through the mesh but we, i just remember we re, had to reposition on this gobbler several times running some ridges with him and we was kind of always like I remember we he I remember him saying like we ain't right but we were forced to set up the first two or three times and then we finally got in above him and uh, Dad said you know we're we're in good shape now and he finally worked his way in. Oh man, that's awesome. But uh, Dad actually we we wasn't set up against a tree. We was it was a big log, and I was you know aimed up had the gun over top of the log, and the gnats were so bad. Dad just put his face down on the ground basically and would just call once in a while. Oh, wow. And because the, the gnats were so bad that morning, we, 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 all, we still talk about that. But the, it was about 25, 30 yards. I just, I just remember seeing – finally seeing that gobbler's head. Like, he'd had me on so many gobblers, like spitting and drumming and gobbling, and something wouldn't work out. They would come in the wrong way. You know how hard it is to get a little, little – you know, kids are weak. They can't hold the gun up. And, you know, you don't know what their mental age is or their physical. And it's just – hard you know when you're hunting in the woods and not using decoys and blinds trying to get you know and he would be so close you know he had so many mornings had gobblers right on top of me if he'd been by himself you know he probably killed most of them mm-hmm. and uh but it finally worked out and i just remember he, he crested the roll in the ground and he he went in behind the a, a big old tree and i just moved the barrel to the other side of the tree and he stepped out and a pow <laughs> and uh <laughs> oh man i get halfway emotional thinking about it we jumped up I kind of just dropped the gun. We still talk about that. <laughs> and Dad run by me and jumped on the gobbler and made sure he wasn't getting away because he didn't know how what kind of shot I made on the turkey. And but the turkey wasn't, you know, I, I, I put several pellets in his head. And well, you know, we was just both tears of joy. You know, it was awesome. That's so cool, man. I want to talk about that terrain aspect a lot too. Do you feel like um, in the mountains you almost have like an advantage? I, for that you, have, you have an advantage, yeah. yeah. Because if he's hanging out on a, on a certain ridge or something, you could you can manipulate the ground to get in with him. Mm-hmm. And I always say I feel like I struggle when I go to flat country because you know that's that's the biggest thing with me when I get in flat ground is judging his gobble, you know, and judging the distance. I mean, just generally speaking, what are some things you're trying to do with the terrain? When you say you're trying to manipulate that terrain or use it, generally speaking, what are you trying to do there? I mean, depending on where he's at, where he's gobbling at, you know, I might drop over on the backside of a ridge and work my way in and then pop up on, on you know, behind him on top. Or you just using the ground to get as close as I can and get it set up exactly where I want to be before I start calling. If he hangs up, you can use the ground to grab more trees and belly crawl and get in tight with them i'm trying to figure out how to put that all into words well i've Mm -hmm. got something 
just while we're hitting on that, there's all so many different situations that you could run into while in there, you know, depending on where that bird's at. My, uh, Tyler gave a situation for somebody we were talking to yesterday, I think, of, you know, you, you drop down off a ridge, coming through a drainage, like a, a big drainage, you're trying to come up the other side, and a bird hammers up top. And yeah. Like down your drainage, you're like, oh, crap. And he's so, right up and above and, you. And, and it's kind of open. Yeah. Like, again, it was talking about oak hickory forest and stuff, and you're like, well, crap, now what am I going to do? So, especially if you had called previously when you were up here on this other side of the ridge, yeah. you call, no answer, you get down to the bottom and he hammers, you're like, crap, now what? If he's got me pinned and I'm scared he's going to see me, you might just, just just hit the ground and just sit there and see what he does. If he's gobbling on his own enough, if he gobbles every couple minutes, you might just let him leave. You know, lots of times a lot of gobblers that I've had success on is just a matter of just letting them, just let them go. Let them get away and drop over the other side of the ridge so you can get, get out of that setup. Like, you, you, you find yourself in a spot that he just won't come. So it's more about don't push the envelope in that situation. Like, it, that, like something like that, when he's got the advantage of it, he's got the visual advantage way outside of range up on top of this ridge, and then also, you know, your pin, just shut up, be quiet, see what happens, play it out, and then reposition once you figure out that if he's moving. I mean, I can run and gun with the best of them, but as I, as I got older, more experience, and you just learn how to – I hate to say it, it's so cliche, but when you when you hit that maturity level of where you learn patience of turkey hunting, you really start killing more turkeys. You really do. I mean, there's a time and place to to run, go wide open, but if you're if you're on a turkey, and you ain't he- you can hear a mile radius from you, and you ain't hearing nothing else, and you got a turkey here, especially in thinner populations, the mountain, I'm not leaving that turkey to go find a turkey. I'm a I'm a work him and until. I'm beat and I lose him and then I'll go maybe that might be the whole morning yeah you know it might be about quitting time by the time I get to the truck it's quitting time yeah it might you know and that's great uh that's what I'm out there for is to interact with a turkey yeah I, I, hold on I want to go through a couple more situations there's, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff <laughs> well, here. The, I was gonna all say right, I was right. just gonna add to that we're like, gonna have to get y'all some spurs and y'all gonna have to fight it out <laughs> do the pecking order <laughs> yeah right. yeah uh, this Andrew's new to listen I've been here I, 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 <laughs> I Andrew, Andrew's the new one in the it's flock. okay it's okay it's okay so the big, probably the biggest revelation I've had with turkey hunting the last couple of years is what you're talking about right here. Is you get that turkey and like, there's one last year right off of the roost where I was I was really close to him, but I didn't have that setup. I was pinned. I was like laying on my side, like behind a rock, trying to hide because he was like right there, and I had to let him move off. But you know, back a couple of years ago, I would have, dude, I'd have crawled over the rock. I'd have done something and probably spooked him. But the whole idea of as long as you got the morning, you know, be patient and kind of wait for him and just stay, stay in there with him. And, you know, you don't have to kill him right here at 730 a.m. Yeah. Maybe you kill him at 1030. Yeah. And you just stick. But that's my favorite kind of turkey hunt, too. And that that produced a lot of turkeys for me, like, over the last couple of years learning that stuff. I mean, it's all instinct. You know, turkey hunting, anything you do, work, whatever, your life is all instinct, you know. And that's just fine-tuned through experience and time. But sometimes you make a big power move and you kill them and you're like oh man nobody else would have been able to kill that turkey you know made that <laughs> big power move. and other times you make a big power move and it costs you the gobbler and yep. you're then you're like man if i had just waited just been patient you know so it's 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 a double-edged blade yeah um sometimes your your gut instinct tells you to go and sometimes it tells you to wait and you just i found uh most time your gut is right uh, let's say uh when you roast one right Okay, you let's say you're 100 yards. He's on the opposite ridge, right? Uh, or on the same ridge. Would you, to leave him thinking of a hen at night when he goes to sleep, would you do a flight sequence and let him know, hey, there's a hen here, 
and in the morning just hit a couple of hen notes so he'll know that hens. Uh, I'm not saying I'm against it. I'm just going to say I don't think I've ever done that. I'm sure you could put something in his brain like that. I've never – I don't think I've ever done that per se. I think I've just put them on a limb, roosted them, and left them, and I'm just thinking about where I need to be the next morning. I just don't even know if by sunset the night before and the next morning if he would – if a turkey can even reason that. Yeah. Maybe they can. I, I don't know. I don't really have a good way to answer that because I've never really tried it. And I'm not saying I'm against it, trying it or anything. We had Billy Argus on from Woodhaven. And he said he does it all the time. He yeah. said it works. So yeah. I didn't know if anybody else has tried it. I know I hadn't tried it. I've never tried it. And I, I ain't saying it won't work. I'm sure it's it's a good good thing. I mean. Mm. Billy gave me a tip two years ago that worked really well where he's like, hey, man, if there's a day where you know there's turkeys around and there's nothing happening, he's like, go to go get on a ridge top, like a good little flat ridge top, and just walk around in circles and scratch and cluck and purr and yelp and do it for like 10 minutes and then just go sit down and – for an hour yeah and dude I, i've killed a couple like that since he gave me that advice when it's slow and nothing's blind, going on but you're call. seeing the sun yeah the blind calling and just wait for like an hour and hey, they just come sneaking up man you're, you're gonna like his episode again this year yeah i can't wait to hear it. I, man i've been missing these man i've been at work there's been knocking them out tur- turkey hunting or anything you do you know some of us got more passion about others some people love deer hunting more and some people love bass fishing more and like turkey hunting, i think when you go anything when you go the extra mile you'll reap the benefits like i i start scouting about three weeks before season i don't scout real early before season because two months before season those turkeys are going to bust up in their flocks and go different directions and so about two three weeks before season i'll start going out listening and a lot of guys will start doing that but most of them are just riding around mm-hmm. and i do that too i'm checking spots i can hear from the road but a couple mornings when i get a chance i'll hike back into places out of hearing and there's not many people doing that. So if you can get back in some country that you can't hear from a road, like a mountain's blocking that from the government road or the hard top, or you get up in just a way out of hearing, or up over a real steep ridge that you can't hear from the government road, and get up in there before daylight and listen. And, you know, well, it ain't got to be a lot of turkeys, you know. You just know there's one or two in there. How much of an importance is it for you to keep elevation and above potentially where you think that turkey might be? Like, do you like to try to stay as high as possible on these ridges? Or is it one of those things that you'll, you'll kind of cut across and go down some of these finger ridges and not stay so high up until you strike a bird? Uh, yeah. You're typically going to try to run just above them, yeah. I mean, and in some places you got to come in from below them. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of guys walk ridge tops and stuff. It's just the way the topography allow, you know. <clears throat> a lot of mountaintops, you know, I'm trying to explain this. You can you can only hear so far off, and you can only hear so far up. So lots of times you'll have people that's that's walking the tops, and they can only hear a third of the way off, but they're not hearing down off the steep. So if you get off that top and walk that lower third, or the, that, that top third to where you can hear down off the steep, you know, people up here, they're walking by those turkeys. There could be a gobbler down there, lonely, looking for a hen, just gobbling every 30 seconds on his own. And if you're up here, you can't hear him. Especially crunch the leaves and everything else, but like yeah. even waiting. Like yeah. That makes a lot of sense about the kind of also deflection probably of that noise as it comes up on top of that ridge. Yeah. You're just missing a lot. Yeah. And you're talking bigger topography. We're not talking like I'm not, I'm not talking tops. about a ridge. I'm yeah. talking about the side of a mountain. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, one question I had, which, you know, this always seems, you know, not to try to get too specific on uh, different scenarios, but. 
in, in hill country, and I haven't hunted mountains like what you're talking about, uh, but like almost like these thermal hubs, you hear some of these deer hunters I, talking about. Yeah. I, I, I'm on it, bro. You got my I'm, question. I'm on it, son. I'm on it. Keep up. Um, <laughs> so it always seems like these thermal hubs, like for some reason, like you'll have a turkey either down in that thermal hub where you have different drainages dropping down, gobbling, yeah. or he'll get up on one of those points looking over that thermal hub. Yeah. Is that something that you deal with much when you're hunting up in the mountains? Like, for, tur- for turkey. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, turkeys. I think it more revolves around – Roost locations and water. Absolutely. Then you know, I think those kind of thermal thermal hubs for deer mm-hmm. typically associate water and uh, roost locations. So I think that's why you typically find them there. But where I'm trying to get at is, and I agree with that. Talk about roost locations right. and also water, but it's more like when you have a bird that he's in his spot gobbling, trying to call on hens, and he's like. Yeah. What do we call? Who? who I would was just it? call it was his that, his it? strut zone or his spot. Yeah. His spot. Was it Dr. Chamberlain talked about like they have that that? It's like a, a lek. A lek. Yeah. Like it's a, a sage grouse. That they go to and they just they gobble from till they call him and then those they go gobblers up. are at, are are asking to get killed. Yeah. Because if he would do the same thing, like one or I mean two two much less three times in a row, you know, then his times get numbered. And I was like a gobbler last year. It was this long walk hunt, and I would find this gobbler later in the morning. And it wasn't per se that I couldn't kill him later in the morning. It was just that time in the morning he always had hens, and he'd get in this big open bench. And I could not, no matter what the topography, I could not get in tight with him. And uh, so quitting time would come, and, you know, I'd have to quit. And uh, But I kept thinking that this happened two or three times. I'd run into this gobbler later in the morning. And I kept thinking, one of these mornings, I'm going to be around here before daylight. And the first morning I hunted him from daylight, killed him basically right, you know, right off the limb. But I couldn't. This was before the foliage come on, and he would get he would get in that big open bench and get right in the middle of it, basically like a field to a mountain turkey. Mm-hmm. And his hens, they had that bench bulldozed. I guess there were some leftover acorns that hid in there, and the, and the hens was in there, and he'd just stay in that open bench. And by the time I found him later in the morning, you know, I couldn't couldn't do much with him i couldn't i couldn't no matter which way i tried to use the ground i couldn't get in tight with him you know to kill him so uh i said that's all right because he kept going to that spot that was his spot and i was like so i'm gonna get up one morning and be around the reason why i was finding him later in the morning is wasn't because i didn't want to hunt that turkey is that there was other turkeys to be hunted before him yeah and i had a bone to pick with another gobbler <laughs> and then uh so i finally said i'm gonna try you and so i, I hunted him before besides trying to hunt them other gobblers i elected to try him from daylight and i hiked in there before daylight and got right in with him and he had to, he had a hen she was actually about 100 150 yards around the mountain it was cool getting to see it i've seen it before but it's cool when you get to see it she she called a couple times and i was like i ain't she was she was a good ways off and she glided around that mountain and landed right at him landed right in front of him and then he, he flew off to her, and then I let out a couple of yelps, and he just, I don't know, I guess he was so curious or something, he left her and come right up here to me. Oh, wow. I'm always curious, uh, when, you're, when you're making moves on a turkey and you're trying to get in a spot where you can kill him, are you ever looking at your map and looking at certain terrain features that you would basically like to put between you and it? Like, are you trying to call him into a saddle, call him down a bench, uh, or anything like that, or avoid any kind of terrain features that might make it difficult for him to come to you? Mm. Or is that something that doesn't factor in? No, I would say it probably does, but it's probably like a subconscious factor, like mm-hmm. the loaded question. I don't 
That's I'm the sure, ones we go for. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure my brain is factoring that stuff in. You know, in, in a matter of milliseconds. I guess I would probably try to avoid a real thick laurel thicket. Yeah. I mean, I've killed them in laurel thickets. They've come through it, but lots of times it, it's not in favor of you. What does a uh, what is a good if when you're looking on the map for for roosting areas? What is what do you look for? Well, of course, you're gonna look for a ridge, a ridge line, or a or a point. But sometimes, some you know, a lot of mountains, it's kind of like there's not. I mean, a lot of places I've roosted turkeys and looked at on the map. There, there's not. There's nothing there to show you on the map that it's a roost spot. It's more about the tree. Yeah, that's my next question. They, when they, you get to there, what tree is? Yeah, they preferred? like they like if it's a hardwood, they like big mature tr- trees with the big flat limbs. And if it's a pine, you know, pines they just take right too if it's a big white pine they like big white pine trees um i think it's more about the tree mm-hmm. and the mountains they like a big old mature hardwood yeah well when it comes to another question kind of about trying to move on a turkey and get on him when you're working him uh do you ever try to get and call him back to a place that he's already been to or are you trying to get out in front of him if he's moving yeah which back, is probably different for different back turkeys. To, back, yeah, a lot of times the tactic, uh, a good many times over my life, like working a bird and he'll come to a certain spot and won't come no further. And when, they, when you get that, if, you know, we all need him to gobble. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to kill him when he'll gobble. And you get those mouthy birds that will at least let you know where he's at. Like he'll come to a certain spot and then strut, by, strut away. Come to a certain spot and strut away. So when he when he when he comes to you and after he does it, it some a lot of times it'll take you two or three times to realize, okay, that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And then when he when he leaves and his gobble gets muffled, grab a couple more trees, get closer, and then he'll start working his way back. And then when he leaves you, you get a couple more trees and get closer, and you're trying to get into that his bubble. Yeah. And then and then you know you you listen and then he's that like gobbles over a ridge or he's just over the hill then grab a couple more trees and once you get into that strut zone where he's coming back and forth the next time he comes back he's in shotgun range. Yeah. See, I, that's my problem. I always just sit there and afraid to move, mm-hmm. afraid to. Yeah. Because when when they're gobbling, like I said, I'm still new. This is like my third year. I, I I can't pick up how far they are yet. Like when gobbles, I just, it's hard for me to tell the distance. So I'm always afraid. It comes with time. If if I get up, he's gonna see me, and I'm gonna have to. I've wasted all this time. Well, if it's if his gobble sounds like clear air, even if he's a long longer ways away, if his gobble sounds clear, it's potentially he can see you. But if it's muffled, yeah. he's he's got a topography, and I've I've got busted. You're going to get busted. Yeah. But you really are going to excel or learn more you got to make mistakes basically it's going to happen you don't want them to happen but you'll eventually it just comes subconscious nature of that what that gobble sounds like and it all happens you know like this houndstooth game calls is your home for turkey calls this spring go check them out they got all the classic turkey calls you know they got the pot calls and the box calls and the mouth calls but they also got a couple really interesting calls one of them is called the the success call and you just need to go look it up it's very it's like a box call that you can work with one hand it's really really cool sounds incredible they also got the spur master which is another very unique call that you can get some really unique clean tones out of they're going to help you out this turkey season use the promo code sop24 to get 15% off of your order at Hound tooth game calls that's sop24 use it at checkout it helps the podcast i, I was really curious when you're when you're hunting in the mountains okay do you get opportunity to hunt 
are leaves on the trees by the time season comes in, or is it still pretty much bare? No, it's 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 bare up until like you're not safe to get flur- a snow flurry until the first you know in in May. So well, can you talk about? I want, I'm really curious on like in the mountains. How does it shift? What is the shift like? with leaves on the tree or leaves off the trees and then to the leaves on the trees as in maybe your approach or what you will do when leaves are on the tree compared to when leaves are off because so the, some of the things i've seen from the photos that you've sent me from that kind of habitat especially when the leaves are off i mean some of that stuff you can see for a long oh, yeah. long, long ways yeah and it's like you know especially if you're trying to hide the hen or whatever and you're trying to get into his bubble without hide know, the hen yeah hide yeah. the hen where yeah. he just he can't see from a long distance away or something or see that area you're calling from from you, a long distance you'll just you just have to use the, the topography you got to put a bump in between them make him come up there to look uh yeah if it's greener and, and plus if there's foliage you can get closer to him you can get away with movement and and i'm going to move slower i move slower in those when the woods are wide open because you, you know they can spot you from a long ways away. Take your time, move slow, listen for drumming. That's my biggest thing of the past five, ten years is is listening for drumming. Um, you know, some some people and it's, it's it's okay to everybody's different, but it seems like some people they're gonna walk, stop, hit the call. If you don't answer, they're just gonna keep on walking. Well, I'm take a couple steps, stop, and crank my ear around to the side and listen for drumming. And then maybe call or listen. I might stand there 10, 15 minutes and I'll make a call. Just stand and listen. If, if I know I'm in turkeys, I'm not just going to be doing that if I'm going somewhere new or don't see sign. But if I'm scouted and I know turkeys and hens and is in that area, I ain't just going to plow through it. You know, I can't help what other people are doing on public land, but if I'm hunting these turkeys, I'm going to try to not spook them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so try to move slow. Uh, listen for drumming. That's that's one of the things that's helped me kill more turkeys over the past 10, 15 years is, is the drum. I mean, half or half or more of what I kill every year is because of the drum. It, we all we're all chasing that gobble, but the being a, some people just can't hear it. I, I did you know, evidently some people can't hear that frequency. But when it's when it's cool and crisp in the mountains and it's calm, cool, and a real crisp morning, and there's no foliage on. I mean, I can hear when, when he's putting all of his heart into it because they drum harder. Just like they put more go- – like sometimes they'll have more intensity in their gobble. But I swear they – some you know, they, they some will just drum harder. And I think the same gobbler can drum, you know, not as hard or harder sometimes. But you can hear a drum a long ways when it's cool and crisp early in the year, especially in the mountains like across a hollow. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can hear them 200 yards sometimes. Yeah. Man, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I actually heard a drum. And I was like, dude, I think I've been hearing that for, like, years, and I didn't realize what it was. It was, yeah. So I thought it's, it sounds like when you hear an airplane, like, way off, that's kind of what it sounds like to me, like that just, like, low sound. I, I need to try again. And I've watched some, like, really high-quality videos, and, like, where I think it was maybe you, Andrew, and you're like, I can hear the spit. Yeah. I cannot hear the – I usually can't hear the – yeah, I can hear that. I, can, I, I hear the... Yeah, I've only heard the drum here. I just quit turkey hunting if I couldn't hear I, that. And you, you said, that's the third podcast <laughs> yeah. you said can that. Can you hear it? Oh, yeah. 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 But, but, if I, but if I couldn't, I wouldn't turkey but, hunt. I mean, Now yeah. I'm thinking, like, maybe I just need to tune my ears even more to it. And that's what I think we talked to you it's about. It's a huge t- disadvantage t- if you can't hear drumming, yeah. Let's re-mention that, just about tuning your ears. Because we talked to you about that. I think I talked to you about that before on that Probably. struggle board. It's like tuning your ears for when you're out there. It's not like you're deer hunting or anything else. It's like... You're so in tune with your surroundings and understanding some of these sounds because, again, 
I've heard the spit. I, I'll give you an example. I was hunting with Jordan Barnes in Georgia, 2017, 2018, whatever. We had a we had a bird eight yards from us, strutting and spitting and drumming. But he was on the other side of this little privet thicket, and I could see his feet, but I could, there was no way to swing the gun over and shoot him. And Jordan's like, do you hear that? And he was spitting drum the whole way, 50 yards coming in. All I could hear when he was standing right there was – you hear the spit. I, I could not. I could not hear the drum. But then again, maybe it was happening. I just had no clue what the. First, I don't know. I have no idea. But. Yeah. Well, I, the, when I first heard it, I, it's because I saw the turkey when he was doing it. And when they do it, they kind of like fan up a when, little bit. I, I can't remember, but every once in a while, I'll come across really good audio. Mm-hmm. And with these headphones, if if I'll send it to you, if I remember when I come across those really good audios that you can hear the drumming really good for earbuds, and I'll send it to you. Okay. And if you can't hear it. You know, I can, with these things on, well right, yeah, you can't hear it then. Yeah. <laughs> but if you, if you, I think if you I'm realize, up fishing, bro. Yeah. <laughs> God bless, you know, bass fishermen. You know, the people that fall more in love with bass fishing than turkey hunting. Because if all those people turkey hunted, I mean, they, we wouldn't even have a turkey to hunt. So <laughs> I'm glad there's guys that love bass fishing as much as they do, and they'd rather be out there bass fishing when turkeys are gobbling. So. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> what a uh, what? Okay, let's say if you got one. Uh, that you know of, he's by himself up on a high point. All right. All right. You're on the same level. When you sit down to that turkey, do you what? What's your go-to call when you sit down to that turkey? You some look and purr. Yeah, I mean you can. I mean I've done it before. Just yeah. I mean sometimes that first yeah. Sometimes first call is a cluck and purr just to fill him out because if he sh- if he cuts that off, you yeah, know he's coming. He's coming, but. And typically it's a yelp, just like, you know, most 90% of your talking to a turkey is yelping, you know. I'm not a real technical caller, per se. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty good ca- caller if, with everything, you know, good middle of the road with about everything I pick up. But, you know, I'm not going to win no competition. Uh, that that kind of that brings something up. Um, but I mean, before I lose thought of it, sometimes I found myself in the woods in the moment working a bird, and I thought to myself, like, "Damn, that sounded good." Like when I'm in the zone and and putting the inflection and trying to sound like a hen, and 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 I think it's when I sound the best is when I'm working a turkey by myself in the woods, interacting, battling with him. Mm-hmm. I thought, man, that sounded really good. <laughs> you know, I wish I could do that. Yeah. How much do you? Do you I'm, ever try to? I oh, use sorry, friction calls a lot. Do you ever try to almost tune your calls to kind of what the hens sound like in your area? Because one thing I've found is, uh, and this is the thing going around right now, it's a really good point, is a lot of people tune their ears to people calling and not turkeys calling. And I definitely did that for a long yeah, time. Yeah, I think a lot of people do it not on purpose. It's just when they're on Instagram or YouTube, yeah, yeah. then they don't, a lot of us don't hear hens. Uh, even like last couple springs, I hardly, hardly ever hear a hen. It's mm-hmm. rare that uh, me and my dad's talked about. It. It's like you don't hear hens anymore. I go a whole season and hardly hear a hen make a, a sound. Um, but we just don't. People find themselves com- comparing what they want to sound like to their favorite turkey caller, like turkey person caller. Oh yeah. And uh, in reality, you need to be listening to hens, mm-hmm. real turkeys. Yeah, I, I. I mean, one thing that I noticed just where I hunt in central Alabama is I'd be trying to do that really pretty two-tone yelp because I love, I love listening to Dave Owens and Scott Ellis, and so I'll listen to them, and I'd, so I try to tune to that, and I got it, 
And I like I didn't get that many responses from it. But then you hear a hen, and the hens, I don't know if it's just our area, but, man, they're like loud, like big mouth, like rasp, no two-tone, anything. They just, sound terrible. It's just rasping. And I do that, and, dude, the, I mean, they hammer it. They yeah. love it. Almost like a J-kill. Um, they really like that, too. But I was just – I'm always curious about something like that, trying different tones of calls, like, throughout – the same morning to see if you can just get a response off something. Yeah, and it's it, so you'll see it when you're hunting with other person sometime. Like you got something you're really confident in, you have really good luck striking gobblers up with it. And I mean, you you know he he won't an, he won't answer it, but your buddy will pick up a hollow sounding lynch box call that mm-hmm. doesn't sound cool and doesn't sell, and it'd be at hollow selling hen, and he'll just hammer it and cut it off. You know, there's a there's a lot of those hollow sounding hens in the woods, but every all of us want to be that raspy. You know, but there's a lot of that hollow sounding hens out there. You know, when I do hear them, you hear you hear it pretty often, and not a lot of pe- not a lot of younger. I don't know, I don't know how to word that. You just seem like people. Everybody's going after the, the rasp, but you kind of you need to have a hollow sounding hen in your bag, probably. That's yeah. kind of like the selling point with a lot of these call makers out here. They're like raspy this, yeah. ultra rasp. You yeah, know, that's kind of like their their marketing thing for a lot of these. But I've heard I've heard plenty of hens over the years where i was like that's a that's a old lynch box call you know yeah. she had hollow sounding yeah oh man i broke mine mm. <laughs> oh yeah shot a bird and freaking went up and dropped it and stepped on it and just trampled it and it was a 1970 something i can't remember buddy gave it to me brutal I feel terrible now but hey Devin, i, I want to bring back up kind of with the mountain turkeys right what do you think is like when it comes to like some ways either new to the area, like especially like someone moved to an area anywhere along the Appalachian Mountains, right, um, and, and started trying to hunt that, especially if they're talking public land, what do you think some of the biggest mistakes guys make, especially if they're not used to hunting that kind of terrain? Uh, I guess they would probably have trouble with judging the sound, or pinpointing them, or mm. I mean, if they come from the flat ground. And coming to mountains, you know, I go when I go when I go to flatter country, I struggle some days on some birds in certain locations, situations like guessing, estimating how close far away he is, you know, just because I, I don't get to do it a whole lot. But shoot, I don't know. I I would assume that would be a big one, you know, judging sound, getting know. in shape. Yeah, you ain't going to beat boots on the ground. Like, I've been shed hunting, but I wouldn't really call it. I've been shed hunting when I get a chance, and I've learned a lot. Just, it's a good time to learn about, you know. I guess get, I guess this is something else I think is kind of interesting. Especially, I, I like the aspect of some of these episodes when we hit on some maybe, like, more basic topics that, or what seasoned turkey owners would see, like, all oh, that simple, as basic. But for yeah. a lot of guys are, like, kind of like, Tyler or even like me, and I haven't been turkey hunting that long either. Right, like six, seven ain't years. That. It's fine. And it's like, is aging sign when you're finding scratchings? Like you're finding scratch up on a hillside, oak yeah. flat, whatever. And it's like, okay, they're scratching, but is this potentially looking at the moisture and everything? Is, you right, know, the dirt dries. Is, is it got some moisture to it? Leaves kick back. Is it moisture? Is it dried out? Is this from this morning, this day, or is this from four or five days ago or a week ago? And I feel like I've seen so many guys who are like, well, you know, scratching, scratching, but it seems like I've hunted areas where the birds are doing some kind of circle, like the area where, you know, you kill those four birds. And it's like there's a ton of scratching, but this stuff's three or four days old probably. And maybe there's some birds in the area somewhere within hearing distance of you, but they could be on the backside of another ridge, you know, three-quarters of a mile from you. 
And it's like how to be able to look at that sign, especially when you start getting into it and you start slipping and you're like, okay, I need to tune that ear. I need to be focused. And this is probably an ear I might ought to sit down and do some blind calling if uh, nothing's happening. Or, or just, I don't, I mean, I obviously blind call some once in a while, but lots of times if I feel like I'm in turkeys and need to slow down or even set down, lots of times I'll still just sit there and listen for a little bit. Listen for drumming, listen for a hand to make a little mutter yelp or something. And, and then I'll, I'm not saying I ain't going to blind call or try to strike up a turkey, but yeah, you can. I can go in a place and it looks bulldozed, but it, you can tell it was done. It was a winter flock done, and you know I'm talking about this is April and this was done in December or January. You can tell it's they was here, but they're not here now. It's like it was, a big drive. It's like, it's like just you know flock. You know, and a flock for our area is like eight to fifteen turkeys. You know, that's mm-hmm. a you know twenty over twenty would be really big in my area. But uh, yeah, you can. I mean, obviously, you know, if it's just flattened down and you can tell that well, they've been here, but they ain't, there ain't no fresh. So of course, you know, sometimes you kill turkeys, and but there's no sign, kind of like deer, because they bust up and scatter out. In the winter and the fall, gobbler groups are back up in the mountains in nasty places like where bucks live. They are you'll find you know gobbler scratching underneath the tops of mountains and rock batters on these rock cliffs. Uh, so. I, mean, I don't know where I was trying to go with that. No, like with the bluff lines. I did have a question um, about with the bluff lines. Uh, is the idea of these bluff gaps, or not bluff gaps, but it's like you're dealing with areas with a lot of rock outcroppings, how that could be a factor. Uh, maybe you're on top of it, bird down below you. Like, well, this is going to be interesting to kind of get down there and get in position and everything. Um, I just, I don't know. Looking at the mountains, when you came down to Alabama and you were hunting down there, of course, it's nothing as dramatic as the crap that you're hunting, I'm sure. I've been it's still nice. Here country to hunt i mean it's really anyway yeah go ahead well i was saying you're using a lot of the same kind of pre- premise of kind going in because i'm thinking back to 2020 we killed the four birds in five days and it was just like i mean like, well yeah bang 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 it was like you got into an area and, and what was kind of like your the did you do anything different when you come to alabama in some place like that compared to like what you're doing in virginia or west virginia no just covering ground covering ground you know getting back into places the down there, it's there's just little piney knobs everywhere. So it's like that's where they're going to roost, and those little piney knobs they want to roost in pine trees and the nice flat limbs. From you know, I don't know. It seemed, it came really quick to me down there. Yeah. To where it's just uh, that's the only way I can put it. It was a bunch of them little points and little piney knobs, and it's like well that's where the gobblers, you know, the turkeys are going to roost in little points and little piney spots. That's what I you know caught on to. And another thing I caught on to down there is. If they hadn't already went by 9 a.m., they was going to get water. So if he was up there strutting the hen, he was drumming and strutting on top of a ridge, and it's 7:30, 8 o'clock, and they ain't went yet, they're going off there by you know mid morning to, to get water. Not necessarily him, but those hens are going to drag him off there because I've seen that several times down there. Killed killed one or two based off that knowledge. They're going right down to the creek, getting water out. Yeah, of it. I found a gobbler, and I said, "Well, uh, I said, actually." Killed a gobbler open today. Scouted that evening, roosted the gobbler, and I went out a different ridge in the dark and actually spooked the gobbler and a couple other turkeys in the dark going out that night. And I said, well, in a couple of days, I'll, I'll come back and try you in a couple of days. And uh, I went back, and he was there. But they uh, they had this one ridge saddle spot bulldozed. I mean bulldozed. And I got on them in about... Nine o'clock, they went down off the ridge. They, I couldn't, I couldn't get in there closer. I was just out of shotgun range on. It was drumming loud, gobbling every once in a while. But I, it was drumming, strutting those hens. 
and I couldn't get no closer. They was probably 60, 70 yards from me, just out of sight. And then I heard his drumming start fading off the ridge. And then it disappeared. And I waited about five minutes and listened hard to make sure that drum was gone. And once I felt confident that they was gone, I moved on down there another 20, 30 yards. And then I could shoot that whole saddle, you know, 30, 45 yards at the most and shoot all of it where they'd been all morning. And I guess, you know, you're thinking, well, how'd you know they was going to come back? I didn't. But in my mind, I'm thinking they could, they could get in there that creek, get a drink, and then go over on the next ridge. They could go anywhere. But I, I got a feeling they're going to come back up here. They, there was so much sign. Mm-hmm. I'm like, obviously, there's something here that they're eating. And he done spooked him here once in the dark, and they're already back. And he's drum, drummed here all morning. Yeah. I just feel like they want to be here. So I just leaned my head back against the tree. And of course, that was towards the end of the trip. And I just kind of rested my eyes for a little while because there wasn't, I could hear a lot of ground and I knew there was other turkeys out there and nothing was gobbling. So why should I go hike a mile when I can hear it all? And I got a turkey right here to hunt. So about a half hour went by and I started, I, you know, I had, I had my eyes shut and you know, kind of leaned back against the tree comfortable. And I was like, they're going to come back up here. And about a half hour went by, and I started hearing. I thought I heard a faint, you know, I opened my eyes. I thought I heard something. I was like, I think it was a faint drum. And I listened, and I started hearing. I was like, yeah. And then, and they come, he come right back up there, right right where they were all morning. And I shot him about 30 steps. Yeah. But, and that's, that's patience right there, man. Well, if there had been another turkey gobble on another ridge, you know, I'd have left. I didn't want to ever go on that turkey. But I could hear a lot of ground, and there wasn't nothing else gobbling. And I knew there was turkeys in that country that I could hear, like out in the distance, and they weren't gobbling. And, yeah. you know, it would be different if there had been a gobbler off in the distance gobbling every couple minutes, you know, mm-hmm. trying to gobble up a hen. And I'd have went to him, but and if his drum didn't come back and I couldn't find him again, then, then yeah, I'd have started covering ground. But I had a turkey there. I had a good feeling they was going to come right back in a little bit, and there wasn't nothing else got one on in the distance. I could hear a lot of ground, so that's when I just decided to play the patience game and kick back for a little bit. Well, yeah. it kind of uh, gets the point of kind of wrapping this up. Uh, Tyler, do you have any? Did you I, have anything you want? I to got do? something else. I my- that kind of brings up the that kind of like slower morning, or especially early season. I feel like I have a lot of mornings where I'll go out. And it's like, okay, here's one or two turkeys. They gobble one or two times, and then it kind of shuts down. Yep, that's typical. And, and then the rest of the morning, I mean, you're strug- you can't buy a gobble. It's pretty pretty lockjaw time of the year right there. Well, what, what's your approach to a day like? Because, I mean, especially guys who have, like, maybe a Saturday and Sunday to hunt, and that's what they get every week. Like, you're going to have to hunt those days, you know, where you're just, they're just not really acting like I mean, you if you're, if you're truly hunting, like, thin populations, which I consider where I hunt thin – compared to other places i've been and hunted it's definitely thin mm-hmm. um if i know i'm in turkeys i'm just going to move really slow if you hike back into a place a mile and it's mid-morning mm-hmm. you know they, they gobbled and they kind of simmered down and then they shut now they shut up on you and it's 9 30 10 o'clock if i'm mile over a mile back in there by the time i get it out of get out of there and get in the truck and go somewhere else it'll be quitting time because i can only hunt the noon yeah and i don't want to be plowing through my turkeys spooking them a bunch all over the country i want them to hang in there until they mess up so just move slow and listen for drumming i mean that's a cool feeling when you are slipping along and you you know you kind of peek your ear over into you know the roll in the ground and you hear a drum it's a it's a it sends lightning through you even more to me maybe more than a gobble as you know i'm like 
you know, you just slip your ear up over the roll on the ground and you hear that drum. And you're like, oh, they're right here. And you just melt, kind of. You're like, oh, I got him. Yeah. Well, right I mean, well, I mean, I don't know if I got him, but I need to get down or yeah. figure out something, you know, because it's close. Yeah. But, Okay, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Just slipping around, and you're trying to. It's, actually pro- it's probably really going to ultimately go back to scouting. Yeah. Uh, or or not not necessarily scouting, but times hunting that area and what the turkeys have done. Because every day you're hunting, you're scouting. Yeah. And what they're doing, and if you're working this gobbler, and you hear a gobbler gobble on this ridge over there once or once or twice, you're gonna remember he was over there, and you might try him the next morning or something. Yeah. Having the confidence that they're still there, they're just being quiet. Yeah. You just got to kind of stay in amongst them. Yeah. And you're not walking around scratching. You're trying to be quiet and get the jump on them. Unless I'm trying to sound like a, unless I'm in somewhere where I think maybe they can hear me and I need to try to sound like a turkey, then okay. I walk. I walk along and scratch, mm-hmm. make little soft yelps and stuff. Try to sound like a turkey. Well, guys, kind of get to the point of conclude this episode. I know yeah. you, you got a lot kind of going. Yeah, on. I mean, I'm food. not. That's okay. I don't really know how to wrap it up, man. No, just, again, appreciate you coming on. I think, uh, you know, season's coming upon us. I don't know when this episode's going to come out, but uh, I'm excited to kind of see how the season progresses, especially this year with more time on my hand. I have no excuses not to be you, killing some you get to You get to hunt a little more this year? Because uh, I know in years past, you just it's not that you probably didn't want to turn young. You've just been oh, working. Did you kill one last year? No, I didn't kill a bird in a couple of years. You didn't really get to hunt it at all, really, last no, year. No, I hunted tw- twice. Two, two different times I hunted last year, and Andrew shot one at the truck. I tried to. I tried everything I could to put him on a turkey, man. Shot one at the truck, and I'm like, Didn't I'm way to, back in there. Yeah. Didn't go to Oklahoma, miss eight. No, I did. I missed three in a day. <laughs> <laughs> I missed, he missed three in a day. Is it three or two I've missed in a day. It's another problem, get is, is on highly days. managed land, like some of the best private land I've ever stepped foot on. Period. Yeah. Well, so. it happens. But anyways, but. Devin, of course. Uh, that's, camp, that's the Turkey Hunter podcast over there. Yeah, yeah. yeah we got that, Land Legacy, and then uh, Spring Legion right there. So Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, that guy right there is a killer. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, um, real quick, just to kind of wrap up the episode, um, Devin, do you have anything else, man? Anything you want to mention? Anything you want to plug? Of course, people can reach out to you through. I know you're on social media uh, if you got any questions. but I don't guess so, man. No, you're good. And just – Got guy, humble guy, humble guy. That's the cool thing about you, dude. Is I don't see like you're not like all out there like real flashy when it comes to like, you know. Yeah, glo- he don't brag at all. Any kind of glory or fame. Yeah, like, got he got that ego, man. He, he's he just, over here he just, just like turkey just hunting, killing them. And he's well, like, well, I, posting pictures is evidently bragging. So I like I like posting pictures, and some people take that as bragging. I don't know. So I've, I've sometimes I've thought about just completely doing away with social media. Yeah. Well, like you can't even post a picture without being called, you know, being a lot of jealous people out there. You can't even post a picture or something or be happy about, you know, I don't know. The way I look at it, if you spend all day, two or three days, and you kill something, I mean, yeah, y'all be, proud, y'all be, proud, y'all be, y'all be proud of it. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. I agree. Well, guys, appreciate uh, appreciate everybody listening to the podcast. Uh, of course, make sure to check out our next episode coming out on the Southern Outdoorsman. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Southern Outdoorsman podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes coming out and help us grow the community by sharing this podcast with a friend. Y'all go ahead and write down the dates, June 28th through June the 30th. Go ahead and just mark those off your calendar so you can be at the Dalton Convention Center in Dalton, Georgia for the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo. Y'all heard a a ton of content from that expo last year that we posted. Uh, We talked about it a ton. Look, if you're the kind of person that listens to this podcast, this show was literally made for you. It was literally designed for you, which means you're going to love it. You know, all the best companies in mobile hunting are going to be there. 
A lot of the best deer killers in the Southeast are going to be there. A lot of our past podcast guests are going to be there. It's just, it's going to be an incredible event. And hey, if you've been looking to either get into a saddle or maybe a mobile lock-on setup or just a different kind of tree stand setup, I'm telling you, it's worth the investment to go to this show because they're all going to be there and you you will get to try all of them in person before you buy it. So you don't have to order something online and then wait for it and then try it when it comes in to see if you really like it. You're going to get to go put your hands on everything all in one day, test it all out and figure out exactly what works best for you and have it taken care of before deer season starts. So like I said, go ahead and put it on your calendar, guys. It's a no-brainer. You gotta be at the show. Again, it's Friday, June 28th through Sunday, June 30th in Dalton, Georgia. We absolutely cannot wait to meet you guys there and talk hunting. So we'll see you at the 2024 Mobile Hunters Expo in Dalton, Georgia.